I'm Scott, I'm a compulsive old reader. Um, and um, what I'm going to talk about is my journey um, to um, an incomplete understanding of a God uh, that can solve all my problems. Um, um, and uh, So that's what I'm going to talk about. That journey, the spiritual journey to a place of um, surrender to um, to the power which um, if I'm not in alignment with that power some really difficult stuff happens. Um, so um, let's see. Um, the story I told myself to keep myself in bondage was this story um, which is true but the story didn't need to hold me for as long as it did. So the story is, the truth is, when I was, when I was four, um, I was um, tortured and, um, and saw multiple murders and all that stuff like that. Um, and so that was the story that held me for 50 years. Um, after that, uh, my mother wanted to be a writer, and she... Um, that was her passion, her greatest love, and we went up north to her, um, to her uh, um, writing teacher's house, and there um, I threw up uh, spaghetti on the floor, which was red sauce, which triggered the memory of all the that abuse, which had happened um, four or three years before, and she mistook that for actual laughter it was laughter based on hysterical formation of whatever that is because it it started that, that thing and she threw me to the ground and started choking me um, and apparently she didn't do a good job because uh, here I am um, but it um, those two parts of the story were the story that I have held for 50 years to keep me in bondage because um, you know, it's wrong that that happened, but um, my part in um, in keeping uh, that going is to keep it going. It's not happening today. It happened, um, the first part happened 55 years ago, the second part happened 50 years ago. And here I am, 59 years old, and um, for a long time it still had that charge, that power, that peace that, that was... Uh, essentially the driving engine on all my addictions. Um, and I don't know for a fact that that's true, because I may have just been born with this disease, but um, it seems like that that was the way that I learned to uh, express my life. Um, um, so what happened, in this part of the story, you'll go, yeah, yeah, then there, then that. Um, so, I was called in my youth, I was called Mr. Chocolate <laughs> for a reason. Um, and, uh, and I, um, I ate, you know, um, sufficient uh, quantities of that and other things that kept me um, locked into um, a way of thinking that was useless but absolutely necessary until I could find a different way. Um, for a long time, I just—I don't know if this is a typical binge, but this is a binge I remember. Um, 
Um, I had come, I was coming home from college, and I lived in Santa Barbara and um, went to school at, at UCSB, which is the school there. Uh, I was coming home from, from college, and I picked up um, a half pound of halva, and um, which is extraordinarily sweet, and um, a pint, uh, not a pint, forget a pint, a half gallon of, of chocolate ice cream, and got home and remem remember the piano bench sitting in front of me and and consuming those two and being on the sugar, resulting sugar high that just went through the roof and the crash, the inevitable crash that followed. Um, um, and, you know, had to wash that down with milk and eventually had to balance that, um, that was, well, in um, Japanese culture is called very yin or yin with an extraordinary yin, which is um, expansive and contractive, and I had to eat a bunch of meat to, to balance that out. Um, so I would always, uh, until I found this program in a way that um, has, uh, today, just this minute, right here in these pants and this black outfit, right now has solved that problem. Um, I have no guarantee that, um, that that problem is permanently solved. I could be back to that um, for like that. Um, so how did I find that solution that gave me a power which wasn't isn't like native to this thought? How did I find that power? That's really the journey, you know. And um, um, for um, I was fairly smart. I mean, for a for a screwed up, um, you know, abused kid who. Um, who imagined the entire world wrapped, was wrapped around me, that there was no safety anywhere. If your mother chokes you, it kind of like gives you a message that, that maybe people aren't safe. <laughs> and to be abused in a group, with a group of adults abusing you, it was like, oh, nothing safe, right? And that's the story um, that, that fueled all of those addictions um, and fueled what really was the center of that, that piece, which is my separation from God. Um, and I need to back up just a step. Um, I was, uh, my mother's Jewish, I was raised Unitarian, my father was Christian science, I tend towards Buddhism. And then um, my brother's a devout Christian. <laughs> oh, a lot of influences here. Um, and none of those were important to me. The only influence was that it wasn't a safe universe. And for it not to be safe, I had to take measures to make it safe. I had to anesthetize myself with the food that covered the injuries <coughs> until I got to a place where the injuries could be held in such a way that healing could um, happen. Um, and so I ate, uh, and I ate that way. I never got super heavy. I got to 220 pounds, which is heavy enough for this body. Um, um, more or less, I'm keeping off at least 20 to 25 pounds of that for um, 20, uh, 24 years. And um, I'm bipolar, which means that every so often I get incredibly crazy and do wild things. And so when that happens, the absence the thought of how my absence goes, goes. And so uh, I have had to 
in through the through the agency of God uh, or whatever it is, I've been able uh, I, I have been able to, to ask, what would you do here with someone that had a heart attack or someone that had cancer? You know, would I blame that person? Would I hold that account so tightly that every time I'm bipolar, I'm saying I'm not absent after that's done when I've chosen mainly to be absent. So I give, I have given myself that space to, to be, if I have to be crazy, to be crazy. If I have to eat that way for a while, to do, but then move back every time to a space of, um, of what it is now, which is um, an incredible space. Um, so I, I had these influences of God, like five or four different religions, and, and, um, <laughs> and the religion of Scott, which is, I am the deity to whom I worship. <laughs> I bow down to myself, and I uh, indulge myself in every conceivable way um, because I am God. And so, how do you get from that space to a different space, which I believe I'm more in now? Um, um, so the movement as a child was away from any kind of safety, any kind of possibility of redemption, any possibility that there's others that can help me um, to be as big as I need to be spiritually. Um, um, what happened is I found a friend in LA, a friend who was six foot two and weighed 190, which I wanted to be six foot two. <laughs> Some prayers are answered. <laughs> Actually, it's six six. But what I saw in, in his eyes was hope. I saw in his eyes was the possibility of a God that could solve every single one of my problems. Because it is solved his, and he said that. And I said, I said, I need help. You know, because I was nine years in program, and I had tried everything, and. I had eaten certain ways, I had not eaten certain ways, I'd be bipolar and, and call it not breaking my absence, and all this stuff that happens from 22 to 32, you know, 30, 23 to whatever the nine year thing is. Um, so if you're struggling, you've been around for a while, um, God's watching and he's going, she, he, she, that, it, whatever God is to me and to you. God's watching, not in a way that goes, oh, you did it again. Oh, my God, why did you do that? He's going, before I've done that, he, she knows this act is coming. He goes, honey, I love you. I'm going to protect you until you can find a way home. Um, so, um, for me, God, uh, that I saw in this man, he took me through the 12 steps. He said, he said, I don't care what you eat. I don't want to hear about what you eat. I just want to hear your spiritual journey. I just want to hear how, you, how you're moving toward a God of your understanding. Um, so he moved me through the 12 steps. And, um, um, and through that journey, I found peace. You know? um, um, I moved from Santa Barbara, which I lived, where I lived, to Boston. And fell away from that sponsor and found a sponsor in Boston and lived there for a while. Um, 
and found a therapist that I actually needed outside help with all that stuff. A, a sponsor couldn't get to that deep place where I'd been injured, but a therapist and a sponsor, and food that was um, neither addictive nor pushing me towards an extreme high or low, that gave me the possibility to heal. And in Boston, there was a lot of healing. I still held on to that story. It was a really important story for me to hold on to because it gave me the excuse for everything I didn't want to do. It gave me the excuse for being lackadaisical, unprotected child that's been injured. You know, um, it gave me an excuse for underachieving with my um, my writing. Oh, I've written this. The universe should discover this. Like the universe is looking for my shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, you know, it gave me that story that I put up, held on to so tightly of that injury, which was an enormous injury. Um, but the story I held on to kept me locked into servitude towards food, towards uh, attractive women, towards whatever that thing is that that I uh, that my that my injured child chose. Um, um, uh, so um, he walked me through the steps um, over the course of. Um, in 1989 to now, uh, I, I've done the steps. Um, I've done inventory at least 17 times. Um, that's how much I needed to, to find. And even at the end of that 17 times, I didn't get that the story was owning me. I got all these injuries. I did all this work. I did all the um, what you call it um, when you when you amend. Did all the amends. I, I did all that work. But the story was still there, um, and um, and the mind was all, would always turn that story it's like three dial boom back. Okay. Um, and I wasn't eating compulsively; I was eating reasonably. I'm a I eat like Freddie. Um, I'm a vegan vegetarian. Um, you know, I don't eat meat. I don't eat sugar. I don't eat caffeine. I don't eat, do diet drinks. You know, basically, I have water and air. <laughs> and I'm abstaining from the air sometimes. <laughs> you know, I hold my breath. Uh, I can do this without air. Okay, good luck. So, um, that final piece, um, I have a, a sponsor in another program. I'm in like every program ever invented, <laughs> or I qualify for most of it, most if not all of it. Um, um, he's an older guy, and he's um, like a father. You know, he's my father was amazing, but he died when I was 65 in my arms after I had been really abusive to him for years. So um, I found a different father. You know. In, these, in this program that could move me in a way that I couldn't even imagine towards the God of my uh, higher, more than my understanding. And he, um, we were talking one time, and he said, um, da -da -da -da, I was saying da da da, and he said, that's the sponsoring thought. That is the sponsoring thought. And I was talking about the abuse and the mother and how, you know, how could I ever get over this, and how can da da da. And he said, that's your sponsoring thought. That's the thought that sponsors all the rest. Every other single thought emanates from that place. Um, so 
Uh, I got that about a year ago, and I held that, just knowing that, without the possibility of changing that. So it was uh, not the possibility, without the willingness to change that. Um, and the, the food, you know, um, basically I, I eat that way, but sometimes, uh, sometimes I've grazed, you know, in that in that space, and that's not uh, the most comfortable thing. Um, um, anyway, um, so how did I move out of that space? Um, this sponsor reads this outside literature book that Bill and Bob were reading when they um, when they wrote the big book. Um, actually, it was like in the air at 1937 or 9, I forget. Um, so we're working, we're working through that book. And, and basically the idea, the main idea of that book is um, as I think my world creates. So um, as I was thinking about that stuff and those injuries, I would be playing out injuries in all my relationships. Now they weren't as, as bad as those. I think I stopped that piece, that choking piece, and that blood piece. But still, that injury was, was um, playing out. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But what happened? Um, I'll give you the event. Is um, I surrendered to the possibility that I wasn't God just to that possibility that I wasn't God. Um, that my efforts to play God had got me had got me to an intractable disease, had got me to thinking which was narrow, rigid, and it's my way, boom, black and white, had got me to um, those spaces. Um, I think that's five Tony, so I got it. Um, um, and um, and here's the relief. Um, here's the relief. Um, I have a God box. And the God box, that's not the entire relief, but this is a piece of it. I actually have a physical box and I put when there's some issue that I, I'm struggling with or a personality, write it down, a date, goes in my box. And the box gets kind of full after... I should do it periodically, but I don't. At, at some space, I look in the box and take them all out. And if something's answered, I put the date and I put it in an out box. Because I forget that God works. I forget that there's actual physical proof in my life that God works. Um, so um, I'm very creative, and, and I've written, I don't know, five books or something. Um, and all this other creative stuff. And, and that was how I held myself against the world. I'm a creative, like genius or whatever. Not genius, but I'm not that smart. I just creative, slow genius. <laughs> um, who, who's right about everything. <laughs> um, and whose answers are your answers. <laughs> um, mm. But then I was against the whole world. It was God sitting against the whole world. And I realized that um, that the resources are simply aren't there. You know, to be the outsider constantly, the resources are not there. And those are just my resources of ego, probably maybe egomaniac, or uh, and creativity, which is wonderful, um, but blocked also because uh, I'm facing it against um, 
those expectations are hurt. Um, so what I got to is that surrender point um, where everything's flowing. It's just like, it's like boom, that happens. Boom, like I'm struggling getting a book edited. My sponsor offers to edit my book. He edits my book. Um, I mean, for nothing, for free. Um, it goes from the dialogue side that says, this is impossible, to a date and a package. God has achieved what I could not achieve. Um, uh, I'm in constant, I have been in constant struggle with my principal and the teacher um, because I'm right and I'm the creative one and, uh, and she's holding structure, you know, and structure is not what I do best. But she's wrong, clearly. And yesterday, I, 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 I prayed and I put whatever power, uh, which I can't conceive of, but which is absolutely evident in everything that happened, into the space before I walked into her office. And I asked a friend next to her teacher, who also has a very deep connection to God, to pray for me. And we both put that prayer into the space of that seat. And I went into the meeting and I accepted. Um, the notion from her that I wasn't holding structure for my kids. And that's the most important thing a teacher does is create and hold structure. That I was being all creative and this and that. Um, so what I got to yesterday was um, I said to her, I said, um, I'm, I had a revelation recently that I'm the classic outsider. That's my choice in life. And because I saw that choice, I'm willing to change my actions, you know, by doing all that inventory and placing that in a space of simply 10 steps and if you struggle with figuring out steps, talk to a sponsor after. But, um, and God just goes, okay. And I said that to the principal and she said, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And I said, uh, I'm willing to do whatever is necessary create um, structure for my kids because um, that's the important reason I'm in that classroom. And she said, yeah, that's the reason I'm in the classroom. You know? And she said, she asked, do you want to still teach? Do you want to write? Do you want to become a chef? And do you want a chef? Do you want to play piano? And I said, the writing is just, it's just like boom, it's there, it's done, whatever. Um, Piano, like I started at 50, so I'm not going very far on that. <laughs> and and the, the cooking is just what I do out of love for my wife or for what I'm with. So, what I get is the relationship. And what I've damaged through the years in that space of the hurt, thinking of the hurt child um, has been a relationship. So, now I get the chance and the possibility uh, of, of releasing to God the relationship all relationships and, uh, and the, the movement yesterday with the principal was toward finding common ground and so that's what I hope for you. Uh, it is time for questions only. Um, thank you, Sarah. Uh, there's no sharing with me. If you need to share, please do so. If any of us ask me also. Please remember that the opinions of uh, the leader are my own, not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole.
When asking questions, you do not need to identify yourself. Um, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA uh, podcast. Um, so I'm supposed to restate the question um, if, um, if you ask a question. So... Eva? Okay, let me see if I can restate that. When I have a big question to answer in my life, um, how do I um, make that decision um, uh, and in the process sort out fear? A reason. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was easy. <laughs> okay. Um, Why well, do I do this perfectly? So sometimes I will react out of uh, the space of reaction. Um, in my best moment, which is this, what I'd like to talk about now, um, uh, I find a quiet place. Um, I sit. I listen to my breath. I ask God for an intuitive, and I don't use the word intuitive, but, but for um, come into the space between the moments because the space between the moments is the space I don't see that, that uh, animates the moment. Okay. So I ask God to come into that and, um, and I pray for the person thing or event that's causing their problem. It's almost never a physical thing. It's almost always for me a relationship problem. I have a vast relationship problem with the world given my, where I come from. So I ask for healing in that relationship. If I know any facts from the person's life, I'll ask, I'll pray for that person to have relief in that specific thing. Um, now I'll, I'll really, I'll be able to, having cleared that out, I'll, I'll be able to see an answer. Um, I mean, if there's a physical fear, like I'm afraid, then I might get physically injured, I might need to do a space of inventory on that. I might need to say the four columns. Um, uh, what's the fear? Um, what causes the fear? Um, part of self that was injured. And the most important thing is to put a prayer between that and what is my place in this. Uh, and because it spiritualizes the inventory. If I say prayer before four, uh, three and four, that's what I know. In the back. Can you talk about your uh, conception of God and how it has developed over the years? Sure. Um, <clears throat> uh, can I talk about my conception of God and how it developed over the years? Did I get you? Yes. Okay. Um, well, I started off thinking God pulled wings off of butterflies just for fun because that's what I knew my world, or what I what I inferred from the injuries I suffered about the world. I inferred that, that kind of a God was, was how it works. Um, that, stayed, that particular conception um, stayed with me uh, until I got the program. Until I, not just got the program, it lasted for nine years in program, that conception of God, because I wasn't willing to know. I wasn't, uh, I didn't have a space cleared out enough to hold the injury. 
because somehow I knew or God knew that if I did inventory and I didn't have some really important way to hold me in that inventory that I would um, I would fall apart it wasn't, I wasn't ready so I had to have that structure in place when that structure was in place in my life it included great sponsors included uh, going to meetings like all the time and a great therapist that was where I could get to that, that. so God Sorry about that. I went off on that. So God, um, to me, was the thing that pulled the um, butterfly with wings off, and the butterfly, the, the little part in the middle, would just flounder. Okay, that was me. Um, when I did my first inventory, there was a space, there was an opening that said, "Hmm, maybe there's something bigger than me that's like this." Okay, that was just enough. So I was starting to, to let go of that butterfly deal. Um, um, part of the other part of that path was to see God working in the lives of others. It, it can be really difficult to self-reflect. I'm not a I'm not a naturally self-reflecting. Well, I don't know if I am or not, but I, I guess I'm not a naturally self-reflecting person. So to see, oh, this this person prayed about this, this happened, huh? You know, and um, um, doing the work, you know, the the step work. I found relief. There, there's no reason that should work, that, that process. There's no reason that process should work except that its goal is to find a power that can release all my problems. So I began to see that that process, the whole faith in that process of doing the steps was what I, how I found God. Um, the most recent thing, the insider outsider, which is a really recent revelation, um, was held by the work I was doing um, with my 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 sponsor from the other program um, on um, um, on as I think my world creates. So it's not that I'm God; it's it's the reflection of my thoughts gets expressed in how I I see the world and how I see the events of the world. So that was a really big piece that I needed to address. And as that piece in the Inside or outside of peace has gotten addressed. Things just naturally are happening. Um, the other thing I needed to do to reach the God of my understanding is I needed to clean up my fucking absence. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, maybe if you have a button to erase that point. Um, um, I needed to clean up my absence. So I started phoning a friend, it's a, a, another fellow in, in OA, um, and just committing that I'm going to have some meals. You know, because if I have three meals and then what the crazy I eat, I'm going to be good, good shape. You know, um, so um, all of those combined gave me a trajectory that um, surpassed what I could even imagine. Uh, Bill. Yeah. Um, Scott, thank you for your question. Um, how do you apply your compassion to um, to um, realize you may do the different states of mind you may be in? That you give yourself not permission but acceptance or the compassion that your food may not be perfect or in another state of mind. I'm not sure I can repeat that. Okay. Do you want to, do you want to try that loud so everybody can? I want your compassion because it's different states of mind. Oh, okay. So, how did I find compassion right. in the different states of mind? I've given my food plan or yeah. oh okay yeah. so the food plan that's a struggle 
because um, there's a part of me that wants it to be perfect. There's a really deep part that says it can be perfect. Um, but that's the outsider. That's the, um, the part that wants to kill me. Um, it cannot be perfect. It's created by a limited, really limited human being uh, that doesn't have the purview of the whole the whole rainbow that God expresses. I just have, you know, what I can see through a people in the circuit. Um, that's all I got. So, um, um, with the compassion with the food in the face of mind, um, I had to look back and, and just, um, I've been trying to do this away from for 26 years, and the only times I've had trouble with the food has been because of my bipolar illness. So I had to, to take a look at that you know, and say, and just imagine what would God do with that? What would the most compassionate, loving, caring, freeing, um, sensational, um, appropriately mothering and fathering and earth, earth-bound God do with that? And um, when it's winter, you know, um, the flowers fall from the trees. Um, the tree is looking perfect without their leaves, but that's God's plan. So I get to deal with that in perfection because um, God doesn't create perfect. Perfect. Um, God creates a variety of experience. And, um, and I, I, I'm just one of the variety of experience. God doesn't create perfect, I believe, because He wants us to seek Him. And it's our injuries that allow us to seek Him. It's my injuries that allow me to seek God. Is that helpful? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, do we have time for the last question or are we done? Quick question. Yeah. Surrender and uh, how do you surrender? Especially, see if I got this right. When there's um, the story starts creeping back. Um, well, again, I guess you imagine a God that is beyond my wildest dreams, and, and, um, and he, he, she, it can allow me to have free will to choose. He, she, it. Whatever it looks like, whatever it is. So, um, and part of that is a process. And a process is an approximation, like they say, like a line is an approximation or a point, whatever. Halfway, 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 halfway. Finally, I'm so close to an understanding that I may take a step back because it's, it's just, I'm an imperfect being. And, and so that's what I got. So, any, any, do we have a, a different kind of meeting or? Okay. Sure. Stop at nine something and read. Now is the time for the secretary's announcement. After the secretary's announcement.